Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. <laughs> the risk has been taken. <laughs> if I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I Absolutely. like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only... Hi, Hi, it's me. Welcome to the Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode. If you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, February 15th, 2020 at dnrstudios.com, the only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. Uh, by the way, Saturday, February 15th, I'm in Oakland, California tonight at Elder Pride. I'm the MC of the Elder Pride 2020 Gala. So go to Elder Pride uh, Facebook page and invite for more information. Listen, if you listen to this podcast anywhere but dnrstudios.com, there's a way to leave reviews and ratings, and it's so important. It really makes me very happy. I get moist. My basement gets flooded whenever <laughs> I get a review. So please do it. Uh, like the Facebook page. Download my comedy albums. Come see me tonight, as I already mentioned. Uh, oh, and this is exciting. Our guest today is one of my favorites, returning to the ass. It's Peter Page from Queer as Folk. The amazing Peter Page, who just wrote, directed, and starred in a brand new movie that comes out today on the Freeform channel. It's called The Thing About Harry. He'll be here talking with us in just a few minutes. But first, I need to welcome back someone who made his ass debut two weeks ago. It's the beautiful, the sexy, the skinny. Oh, go. Keep going. The articulate oh, Steve like... Cesaro, ladies and gentlemen. Hi. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you all again. Oh, you all. You're too kind. You're too kind. I feel like Mrs. Maisel with that applause. I know. And then it <laughs> ended so abruptly. They were done with you. Uh, Steve, when you were last on two weeks ago, we had Honey Davenport here, and I made out with him. You sure did. And I'm still kind of swooning over it. I feel like my face is red just thinking about it. Was it weird watching it? You know, I was kind of turned on. I wasn't sure why because oh, so good. many things were happening, but there was connection there. Yeah. Did you guys hook up I, afterwards? Uh, Can I ask that out loud? Well, since we're taping this show immediately after that show, <laughs> to be determined. I was trying to give like the illusion of the two I know, weeks. but I think the audience knows better. All this right. is one of these weird months where we have to do uh, a, two live shows, a live show two weeks in a row, which means that the pre-recorded shows are on a two-week lag. It's a whole thing. But um, but yes, we're actually recording this the same day we recorded the Honey Davenport one. So I'm still, I feel, you know when you've, um, 
you've, you've had a little too much to drink or you've taken a bump of like really good cocaine. Oh, yeah. It's kind of how I feel after making out with honey. It made wow. me high. You're, you're tingly I'm, all over. I'm tingly. You're I'm not, puckered where you need to be puckered. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm not mad about it. Uh, so I have a question for you. Sure. And I believe, Steve, you are a, a fan of porn, a, a purveyor of porn. I actually, I don't watch a lot of porn. Really? Yeah. So... I used to, I feel like when I was in college and you know, you're kind of in your dorm room when you have like five minutes between classes and you just want to get off really quick. Um, but I, I have to say, I think it's, I mean, the last, I can't even tell you the last time I saw porn. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So. Because you're a pretty sexual person. I am. I'm a, I'm a really sexual person. But no, I think it's just my schedule has allowed uh, different ways of, uh, of not needing porn. Well, are you familiar with the porn star Armand Rizzo? I am. Armand Rizzo, for those of you who don't know, is like the tiniest porn star in the world. He's really, really small. He was dating Austin Wolf for a while, which was hilarious and gave birth to many memes <laughs> with like a gerbil trying to put its mouth around a banana. Um, but Armand Rizzo posted to Instagram a, a kind of a rant about the fact that uh, some studios, including one called Black on Boys, pays tops more than it pays bottoms. And he felt that that was unfair. Um, he said, quote, this has never happened to me, but there's a studio who is interested in me, meaning black on boys. And what I found out about them is mind blowing. They pay bottoms way less than tops. And their spelled T-H-E-R-E excuse. The site is more top dominant. I don't give a fuck. Who are you? There's no punctuation here. I don't give a fuck. Who are you to say that a bottom is worth less? Four question marks. Armand apparently didn't uh, go to college. But anyway, um, he said... Or past basic high school English. <laughs> he says, if you're wondering what site I am talking about, it's Black on Boys. Such a shame. Lost my respect. I've never watched Black on Boys, but I think Ryan might be a fan. Do you, do you, are you familiar, JB? Black on Boys? Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of their stuff. Is it black guys fucking white boys? It is. That's all it is? Yeah. Fetish porn. Yeah, pretty mm. much. It it brings a it brings a fair type it brings this, the fetish type of I'm into BBC to a whole new level. Oh, yeah. So it's not necessarily a good thing you're saying. Yeah, I don't think so because they're they're only fucking small little white guys, and it just yeah they're only fucking small little white guys. Well, CNBC reported in 2016 that um, regardless of top or bottom, male performers earn an average of only 500 to 600 dollars per scene or per day. Better-known stars can earn up to nine hundred, and superstars up to fifteen hundred. This seems incredibly low to me. I can make more than that doing stand-up comedy. Wow! And I don't well, even have to, you know, wash my hole for that. Well, you're talented. <laughs> I really am. But so I posted this on the Adam Sank Show Facebook page, and there was great discussion. And I found myself uh, landing on both sides of it. On the one hand, I was like, you know, it's a lot more work to be a bottom. 100%. You have to clean out. It can be painful. It can chafe. You have to, you really kind of, especially if you're taking a huge porn dick, like it's, it's kind of traumatic on your body. Those on the, guys in that thing are like sizes 10 and up. I'm so sure. It's, oh, on the it's other a hand, experience. But on the other hand, I was thinking like, and someone pointed this out to me, that there's like a hundred bottoms for one top in terms of who applies to be in porn. Like apparently everyone who wants to be in porn is a bottom and wants to get gangbanged. So it's a demographic of New York City. Exactly. <laughs> that, thank you. And every other city. And also to be a top in porn, you have to have a huge dick. That in and of itself is a rarity. 
So you're kind of looking for a circus performer in a sense. <laughs> anyway, I decided to clear this up. We needed to go right to the source. No, it is not Armand Rizzo. I didn't even reach out to him. I did reach out to my friend Owen Hawk, who is a uh, porn star himself, as well as a producer and director. He's the owner of Dark Alley Media, which puts out uh, such titles as the Raw Fuck Club series and many other popular titles. And I, I, I wanted him to clear this up for us. So joining us on the phone all the way from sunny southern Florida is Owen Hawk. Hey, Adam. How are you? Hey, baby. Good. So, can you hear me? Yes, I can. So straighten this out for us. Do, do tops, in fact, sure. make more than bottoms? No, that's, that's not really a thing. I mean, I mean, you even read the tweet. He said, you know, this has never happened to me before. Like, uh, um, and he's been around for a long time, you know, at least like 15 years. So, yeah. So, um, no, it's not a thing. You know, um, uh, it's just not. I mean, I, I guess it's this one studio, but it's no. So in your studio, tops make the same as bottoms. Yeah, no, pay is never dependent on um, that, with, with the one exception being, um, you know, when you do shoot a gangbang, typically the bottom will make more than the top in that situation. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, gangbang, yeah. that's, that's really a lot to take. Yeah. For yeah, me, anyway. No, I mean, yeah. yeah, I know. Well, I know. I'm free with like a Tuesday, but like, for most people, it's like not a Tuesday. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's my Wednesday. <laughs> now, yeah, Owen, it's Tuesday or Wednesday. You know? Owen, For most people, it's like a Saturday or maybe like a Sunday afternoon. Owen, we just mentioned the fact that more people want to be bottoms in porn than tops. Is that your experience as a as a porn producer? I mean, honestly, no, not particularly. I think that um, uh, that there are people who want to top in porn. You know, there are people who want to be versed in porn. Um, and you know, honestly, like these days, like the guys that work a lot, like the ones that are, that are consistently working, like, you know, multiple times per month or are, are probably just using Trimix on their dicks anyway. So it really Trimix. doesn't matter. With, um, what is Trimix? Trimix is a, is a shot that you put in your dick that gets your dick hard. And Ow. And, uh, yeah. Why wouldn't you just use Viagra? Um, for some guys, like, like Viagra doesn't work. Viagra Cialis like doesn't work. And in some situations, like. You know, porn isn't always necessarily really sexy when it's happening. Um, and you may have been matched with somebody that you're not particularly attracted to. Mm. So what a lot of guys who work consistently will do is just is just like go straight into Trimix. So you heard me quote those those prices that MSNBC said people are paid. This was back in 2016. Do you feel like those are in line with uh, with what you see people getting? Yeah, I think the magic number is usually 600. I think that does go... Um, that does go for some guys, you know, can, can ask for more, can ask for 800. Um, I think that's, this is non-exclusive pay. I think exclusive, like if you're signing an exclusive suit, like the lowest, I think you're signing an exclusive contract for would be like eight or 900, but there are guys who will do that. I think they don't necessarily know what they're doing when they do those contracts, but then the studio exclusive pay will be a little bit higher. I think that could even go up. Some of the major studios, you know, some of the bigger sites, I believe, you know, they'll make 2000 2500 And I think some of those Sean Cody boys make more than that. Hmm. Um, so it, it is really, it, it is, it is sort of like a class system. Like you go to you know, the bigger, the bigger places that have, you know, uh, bigger sites like Sean Cody and men.com will pay their exclusives more um, than what we're talking about, you know, in the $2,500 range and higher. 
But a lot of studios for non-exclusive work, you know, that number, you know, six to eight hundred really is accurate. But also it's sort of a known thing that most of these um, performers are also escorts. And so in that sense, the, the video is just like a demo. It's like a calling card and the real money yeah. to, to be made I mean, is, is, is like, no, off camera. Nobody, honestly, look, nobody is surviving off of what they're just making shooting scenes for studios. That's not that's not a career. You know, that's something that you're doing because you're in the life. I mean, it's, you know, being in the life means that you're probably filming studio porn. You're probably escorting and you're probably, uh, you know, shooting your own content for your fan sites. So it's just kind of like, you know, um, it's just a bag really for that day. Speaking of the fan sites, that has to have changed the game for um, professional pornographers like yourself. How, how has the only fans and just for fans um, change the game for you guys? Well, I mean, it's been like, I think for performers, it's been a big boon. I mean, you know, you really can just, you can, you can just sell your stuff directly to your customer base, you know, through social media. And I think, you know, the, the biggest thing that it's done is that it's, it's, you know, basically the whole, the like huge amounts of the industry had just been absorbed into social media. You know, they'll pretty much live and die off of Twitter and Instagram. Um, and so I don't know, it's necessarily, I don't know that it's changed the fate of studio porn because I feel like, I feel like in a lot of ways, the, the customer that pays for OnlyFans is not the customer who pays for studio porn. I think it, in a lot of ways, it's a completely different market and a different customer. But, it's like people um, who buy fast food as opposed to buying like prime rib. Well, I, I guess like, it's like, yeah, maybe, I guess that's kind of like a good, a good thing. It's just like it's not the same product. Like if you take, if I were to take fan porn, you know, off of somebody's fan account, you know, and a lot of those stuff, you know, sometimes they got two to three minute clips. You know, sometimes it's less. You know, you, you do have some guys that are acting basically like little mini studios that are making, you know, fifteen to twenty minute, you know, quality um, the scenes on their fan uh, sites with, you know, um, uh, so they've hired somebody to be a cameraman. And then, you know, you've got the guy who's just put the, the, the phone up against, you know, uh, a cop in the side of the room and turned on one light. I mean, you really do have, like, a wide variety. Some of that stuff, if you take it off of their fan site and, like, put it into, like, a traditional mode of distribution like that, that wouldn't sell. Like, you know, it's not necessarily transferable. So in this case, like, the mode of distribution, the experience that the person is having is the actual product more than the actual product. Yeah. Well, I think what we've learned today is that uh, aside from one particular studio, uh, Owen Hawk says tops and bottoms are paid the same. So those of you who were outraged by the uh, <laughs> bottom pay disparity, you need not fret. And Owen, I thank you for talking to us. Before I let you go, any titles you want to promote? Um, no, I mean, title, like, you know, we don't, like, like, like I said, like, we don't really do titles or movies. I mean, you can always come to our website, which is rafaclub.com, and enjoy what we do. And I would say that we, uh, you know, our new website that we launched last year does let guys add their OnlyFans scenes to our website oh, so you get both wow. things in your experience. I like that. Owen Hawk, thank you so much for talking to us. Enjoy your Saturday. It's been my pleasure. Yeah, Bye, you honey. too. Bye. Bye. Interesting. Yeah. You know, but that's good. I feel like. It's equal but different. That's a horrible analogy. Separate but equal. Separate but equal. You know, because tops, I mean, as a top, you work hard. You do. You're sweating. You're doing cardio. Your heart is racing. And as a bottom, the pre-work is a lot harder. You know, like you got to clean. You got to make sure things are going on. But then once you're there, 
You know, unless you're some good mambo dancer, you're just laying there. Listen, I couldn't. I am a great mambo dancer. I know how to twerk up a storm. Yes, so how ma'am. Are you? I am putting in that work. I am making. See? see, if I was a porn star, I'll be making my nine hundred dollars an hour. Like that is a job. But JB, can you go for like a half hour? If the money's there, yes. I couldn't. Oh my God. Doesn't matter how much money. <laughs> Ten minutes and I'm done. Really? Yeah, I'm so lazy. I I I, I love sex, but I I I like it to be pretty fast. I think Ooh. Honey Davenport might Why? be disappointed. But it's so much yeah, how do you fun. how do you gonna wreck your whole girl? I just um I mean if, if there's a lot of foreplay, that's great. I can do oh, foreplay yeah, that's a part of for, sex, of course. For like an hour. But, but once, actual the, once the dick is in the ass, whether I'm topping or bottoming, I'm good for ten. And that's it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you will not be seeing me in any Raw Fuck Club features coming up. Um, I want to move on. This story actually broke two weeks ago. I, I, I wanted to do it during the live show, but there wasn't enough time. This is my favorite story of 2020 so far. Okay. This is the best thing that's happened in 2020. Right. So there's a woman in England named Katie Hopkins. I had never heard of her, but she's apparently one of these far-right extremist conservative commentators who's always attacking Muslims and gay people. She attacks overweight people, trans people, mental health sufferers, feminazis. She's made fun of Ebola victims. I mean, she's basically human garbage. Is she white? Of course. Of course. Katie Hopkins. Well, this is so ingenious. Two British YouTube pranksters, Josh Peters and Archie Manners, convinced her that she was winning an award. That she had been awarded something called, <laughs> let me make sure I get this right, uh, the Campaign to Unify the Nation Trophy. And they flew her to Prague to accept this award. Now, Steve and JB already know that uh-huh. Campaign to Unify the Nation Trophy spells out cunt. And there is a giant picture of her standing in front of the word cunt, <laughs> smiling as she receives this award. She had absolutely no idea. She's so happy and she's so She's dumb. thrilled to receive the cunt award. And the fact that they paid to fly her to Prague, probably first class, and can, I mean, it was such an elaborate, ingenious sketch. In her acceptance speech, as she's standing in front of this cunt sign, she bashed Muslims, claiming they were frequently raping their own mothers. She says epileptics are all weirdos. They're up there with Asians. This is a quote. And she blasted climate activist Greta Thunberg as, quote, an autistic fucking wench. So she's a cunt, and now the whole world knows it, and she has the trophy to prove it. Real talk, I'm watching this video, and I'm looking at the award room, and there's like six people in this room. Of course. Like, couldn't you figure out that there's something wrong here? But like, these people are so happy to be in front of a camera and to be <sighs> handed an award. They'll, they'll, they'll show up at the opening of an envelope. It's just beyond me how people can have these opinions. It's like, don't you live in the world where you see somebody else just like – you know, no, like talking about Muslims or talking about black people, talking about gay people. I, it makes no sense to me. Like they have to live in some alternate world where they just don't experience life. True. But I also, or they haven't got punched in the face. Well, that's, but I also (laughs) think some of them don't honestly even feel this way. Like I think Milo, half of what Milo Yiannopoulos says is just to shock and stir up controversy. And I, I think some of these people know better. It's like when I worked at Fox news, Fox news was, is famous for bashing gay people. And yet, Roger Ailes, his best friend when he was alive was Judge Andrew Napolitano, who's on the show frequently as a commentator. Andrew Napolitano is gay. He's got a husband. He and his husband used to go on vacations with Roger Ailes and his wife. 
And yet Roger Ailes allowed the, the most vicious homophobia to, to uh, pervade his airways. It, it, it's complete hypocrisy and it's gross. But I think they do live in the world and they do know better. They just have they see a way to make money and they don't have, they don't have a conscience. But it's like morals too. like, you know, they're putting this information out there and people that don't understand that you know, don't have the capacity to understand that these other types of people exist or are real or are genuine. It's dangerous and they're, they're hurting. They're just hurting people. Yeah. Anyway. Meanwhile, another great story over the past two weeks. Uh, you know that thing? It was like a Dolly Parton challenge oh, yeah. <clears throat> where you put four pictures of yourself up. Yeah. LinkedIn, Facebook, Insta, and Grindr yes. to show the different versions of yourself. <laughs> How did it start with Dolly Parton? I missed that part of the story. Because she's so verse. <laughs> no, did, did she do it first? I don't know. I think, um, was it Dolly Parton? No, it must have been somebody I else. I thought it was Dolly. Anyway, Eminem uh, partook. And uh, for, his, for his LinkedIn photo, he's, it's like a picture of him in a suit or in like a tie. Facebook, he's just like wearing a jacket. Instagram, he's dressed as Santa and he's on top of a reindeer. And then f his fourth one was Grinder, Of course. And it was an old picture of him that Rolling Stone had taken where he was completely naked holding a stick of dynamite in front of his dick. Explosive. It was actually a, a 1999 picture that David LaChapelle took. So he posted this on social media and Grinder wrote back – with a one-word response, who? <gasps> yes, I shade. Live. Well, you know that um, there's the rumor that he's gay or bi, or that he's had like a gay lover. He's actually like a gay. We talked about this on the show a few weeks ago that that um, he was in a he's in a feud with Nick Cannon, and Nick Cannon claims right. that there's video of Eminem blowing his chauffeur, not his chauffeur, <laughs> not the thing you play for the high holy days, his chauffeur. Uh, Eminem was like, ha ha, I don't even have a chauffeur. Anyway, uh, but yeah, he definitely plays yeah. with homosexuality. He's, of course, been accused of having violent homophobic lyrics and using the F word. Um, in 2018, he referred to Tyler, the creator, as a faggot. Um, and yet he claims that he doesn't have a homophobic bone in his body, that he's, he says, I have no issue with someone's sexuality, religion, race, none of that. Anyone who knows my music knows I'm against bullies. That's why I hate that fucking bully Trump. All right. I happen to, I happen to feel like Eminem's an artist and a provocateur. And people who say they can't listen to Eminem because of his lyrics, but they're fine with Elton John, who actually performed at Rush Limbaugh's fourth wedding – Fuck you. That's, Oof. to me, what Elton John did is 10 times worse than any lyric Eminem could ever write. So if you're cool with Elton John performing for the world's biggest homophobic right-wing asshole, then you got to be fine with Eminem using words to provoke and in an artistic way yeah. to, to – to, he plays characters. I don't believe he, are, he is those characters. Yeah. But Grindr had a good response, I have to say. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Meanwhile, we all know about revenge porn. Mm -hmm. This was a terrible case of revenge porn. A Detroit man allegedly sent his ex-lover's nudes to his ex-lover's mother and grandmother. No. <laughs> Think about your mother and grandmother. My mother and would be proud. <laughs> my mother would be <laughs> horrified. Are these, like, artistic pictures, or are these, like, in the act, like... I doubt they were that artistic. The victim <laughs> is referred to in court documents as Zachary. He first met a man by the name of... 
Now you know this person's a serial killer. Harrison Jason Eugene Schiller. No, that is a murderer. <laughs> right. Like a sociopathic murderer who keeps children in his basement while murdering exactly. parents. Exactly. And Don't by the fuck way, with cats. by the way, Eugene has an has an accent grave over the first E. So it's no. like Eugene. Oh, Harrison Je- Harrison Jason Eugene Schiller, aka Harry. They met on Scruff in 2017. Uh, Zachary sent Harrison several nudes as uh, as well as photos of himself engaging in various sex acts. So there you go. It was not artistic. Not that that can't be artistic. But anyway, the two eventually agreed to a – okay, this is where it gets creepy. <laughs> they agreed to a virtual BDSM contract in which Zachary would be Schiller's slave. This is like the noodles and beef story that, we ta- that we've talked about many times. Wait, this is like how they got – back at each other how the, the some no of the no score? wait you'll hear okay so part of the relationship in this contract was that the sex slave has to do everything the master tells him to the two men never actually met in person but when things eventually fizzled between them Schuller became irate and he uh, basically tried to extort zachary for twenty thousand dollars and started leaving him okay. threatening voicemails in one call Schuller can be heard saying hello some days I am in love with you, and some days I hate you. I am not a nice person. I am mean. I am vengeful. I am not sorry for anything I'm going to do to you or your family. Oh, Sounds like God. an Eminem song. So that... I know someone that this happened to. Is it Zachary? It is. Zachary, if you're listening, call us. Shortly after that, Schuller allegedly sent Zachary's nudes to his grandmother, mother, wait a minute, Gram- <laughs> mother, grandmother, grandfather, cousin, and several of his friends. How did he get any of these friends' information? Like, Well, because when you're in a BDSM relationship and you're the slave, I think you just give up whatever you want, whatever the guy wants. But here's, here's the twist. This is the twist I've been waiting to get to. In court, Schuller tried to defend himself by pointing to the contract and saying, listen, he signed this slave contract with me. He said he would do anything I asked, and then he didn't. So I had a right to send these pictures. <laughs> I mean, you sign, you sign. The judge was not pleased with this defense. Well, there you go. After being ordered by the judge to pay Zachary restitution, Scheller filed for bankruptcy. Um, it was while he was appearing in bankruptcy court that he tried using the BDSM contract to get a pending civil case against him thrown out. But the judge said no. Uh Bankruptcy attorney Derek Jacques says if you get money judgments against you for revenge pornography, it's going to stick with you for life. So I have to just say, I know people are into BDSM and I don't judge anyone. And It's cool if you want to fantasize about being a slave or a master, but don't put anything in writing and don't sign anything. Right? They should, they should know better. I'm very proud of this judge for not falling for that trap. <laughs> Who would have fallen for it? It's the worst offense ever. <laughs> I mean, you know there are people out there who are just like, you know, he did sign for it. Fuck that guy. In Michigan? No way. Oh. That's not going to happen. Contract is a contract. <laughs> <laughs> you signed your solo away. You signed your solo away. It's true. Ay, Dios mio. Oh, God. In other news, um, <laughs> this is another one of my favorite stories. Shit, where is it? Okay. So um, – one of the first episodes of The Ass we ever did, JB, I think it may have been the first one you were on, we talked about the mad pooper. This woman in Colorado who – they thought it was – I don't think they even knew if it was a woman. Someone kept shitting like eight times. It was like a jogger who kept shitting on the street, and they never apprehended them. But in a separate case <laughs> in Boston, 
A woman is accused of defecating in the parking lot of a Massachusetts outdoor goods store nine times over the past several months. (laughs) And police said she was caught in the act. In the same spot, in the same parking lot, nine times. Her name's Andrea Grosser. She was arrested Wednesday near Natix. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago. The owner of the store said uh, she, th- for some reason, she's done it nine times, but she was arrested only on eight charges. Apparently, one of the shits did not count. Canner said he was in- he installed surveillance cameras. To- <laughs> Sorry, you can only get in trouble if you could pick up the evidence. <laughs> oh my god! He installed surveillance cameras outside to catch shoplifters, but ended up catching her defecating in the parking lot. Now, at first. Authorities thought it was an animal who was shitting there. But then, this is the best quote. We saw a po- Wait, <laughs> I got to get this right. At first, they thought it was an animal, but then they noticed toilet paper and other wipes, items that animals would not have access to. <laughs> Lieutenant Kara Rossi told Metro West Daily News. Okay, that's my whole point about pooping outside. Is that there's no toilet paper, nothing to wipe. But bitch, she had it with you her. Your own to- like you couldn't find your own bathroom, you couldn't wait to get him. You bought your own toilet paper. No. Exactly. <laughs> and her defense, this is almost as bad as the slave contract defense. She claims that she has irritable bowels. <laughs> no, no. But listen, if she has a little wet wipe to give a little dab, 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 make sure it's clean. <laughs> exactly. After a series of complaints, an officer staked out the parking lot. The officer wrote that he confirmed that Grocer defecated out of the driver's side door of her SUV around 6.55 a.m. after the lot had cleared out. She had waited 10 minutes for the nearby commuter train and shuttle buses to leave, then opened her SUV's door to create a barrier. Grocer drove away after only a few seconds. It only took her a few seconds to leave a pile of shit. And the officer was able to confirm that the feces were left at the site. So here's here's a couple of things. Um, the fact that you waited a good 15 minutes. <laughs> you could have been home pooping in your own bathroom. She says she has irritable bowel syndrome and was on her way home where she works as a nanny. The oh. officer noted there were various nearby public restrooms. And she replied she wouldn't relieve herself in the store parking lot again. The officer later confirmed that grocers, with Grocer's employer that she did have access to the restroom at home. Canner says he still can't understand why she would do this when she works nearby. Oh, my God. Oh my- <laughs> Listen, some people are terrified of pooping in other people's bathrooms or in public, but I guess she is I think fine she with had a, pooping in between I her doors. I think she had a weird times. Like, need to shit in public. Right. Meanwhile, I post this story on Facebook, and my sister said she was so jealous that the woman was able to do a complete shit in 20 seconds. Metamucil. I, that's what I say. God, I love so Metamucil. I, listen, I take that psyllium husk and I put it in my non-dairy yogurt every right. day. Me too. And I release a boulder and it comes right out <laughs> and then I'm as clean as a whistle. I have my daily three in the morning, my coffee, and then after mm-hmm. I work out and then right after I'm done. And you know what? That, that shit makes you skinny too. If you eat a lot of fiber and fiber supplements, your stomach will be flatter. Metamucil is the most... Amazing invention. And don't shit in a parking lot. <laughs> Just don't. That is not okay. And if you do, take 15 seconds, not 20. <laughs> My God. But it's like, why there? Like, why that same spot? <laughs> we did a story, uh, I think, a year ago about someone kept shitting um, on the track outside of high school. You know how they have tracks oh, where you right, can right, jog? Right. And it turned out to be the school superintendent. <laughs> 
That was a fucking crazy story. That's how much he hates the kids. Yeah, that that is. It's a rageful act. Right. But um, I think the two of them should get together. It's like you give me shit, I'll give you shit. <laughs> Have a really shitty wedding. <laughs> Meanwhile, here in New York City, police are looking for a man who masturbated next to a female passenger on board the E train. Uh, there's tape of this. <sighs> He stood in front of a 31-year-old woman who was seated on the train inside the Forest Hills station uh, back on, uh, at the end of January. And while he was doing this, he started combing his beard with a knife with his other hand. Now, I personally would be fine with the masturbation. I have always wanted to see this happen live because you hear about it as I'm hearing about it now. I have never experienced anyone doing anything inappropriate on the subway. Oh, I've done inappropriate things on the subway. I, I think you have to be on the right lines at the right time. Like the sixth train goes to the Bronx. That's nasty. People are always doing nasty stuff because the Bronx is a nasty place. Yeah, have you seen guys jerking off? No, but I've seen, I've seen girls get her pussy torn out. No. What? It means, it means she's getting fucked on the train. Oh, yeah, that, that sounds <laughs> violent, Jay, baby. That's the Someone train. was fucking right in front of you? Yes. I was like, uh, I gotta go. Was I, it hot? She was gross and he was a crackhead. Like oh, it wasn't, hot. it wasn't great. Like that's what I'm saying. It's the dirtiest people that you see doing it, and it's just well, like, ugh. I mean, I'm offended now. Right? No, I've never, I mean, I've never masturbated, but I've told the story on the air before about how I was uh, on a very crowded train once, and there was this very cute twink standing in front of me, and he was wearing like very loose kind of sweatpants with no underwear, and I just kind of kept getting closer and closer to him until. My bulge was basically between his cheeks, and we just rode like that for a long time. And then we got out at my stop, and I took him home and fucked him. Well, so really, the inappropriateness <laughs> happened in my bedroom. There was no like nothing came out. No, exactly. no body parts See, were exposed Adam, on the train. You're not a creep, and you're not. I'm disgusting. so respectable. Yeah, but this man, as I said, was combing his beard with a knife, and that—that's the weird part to me. Jerking off is fine. I mean, but I kind why? of like picture him like outlining his beard and then like licking the knife a little bit while he's like staring. Does at this you. turn you on? Not really, but I can see this being like a whole thing. <laughs> anyway, they showed a picture of him and he was not hot. Oh, well, that ruined it. See, proves my point again. <laughs> Our guest today is extremely hot, however, and I am so excited that he is back with us. He's one of my favorite people making his triumphant return to the ass. Oh, shit, you know what? We skipped the LGBTQ. Pro- All right, we'll do that later. Uh, He's making his triumphant return to the ass. You know him and love him as Emmett from Queer as Folk, but he just wrote and directed a new movie for the Freeform channel called The Thing About Harry. Here is a clip from the film. Hit it, JB. I really did not. I thought you had me pegged a long time ago. Why would I? I I know you caught me staring at you sometimes. Well, because I thought you hated me. (laughs) Oh, no. Not at all. Truth is, I admired you. I'm sorry. I I don't even know how... What? I mean, you were out in Liberty, Missouri. Me, I was just too scared. That's why I made fun of you, you know that, right? Because I thought that if anybody saw me be nice to you, that I'd be guilty by association, and... Yeah, it's just... I wasn't ready for that. And joining us now all the way from sunny Los Angeles is Peter Page. Hi, guys. Peter. Have <laughs> oh, you ever... Have you ever... D- How lovely. Yes. Have you ever done anything inappropriate on a subway train? 
Um, no, I've seen inappropriate things, but I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, re- I'm relatively well behaved. Good for you. It's so great to hear from you. Uh, Thanks, guys. Ste- Thanks for having me. My co-host Steve and I both watched the film and we loved it. We did. I did. Thank I watched you. it with my husband. He really enjoyed it too. Oh, that's a Thanks good date so night much. movie. It was. It was really adorable because it's it's feel good and you watch it. You can like cuddle and just have a little. We both had cocktails and just watch it. It was a nice little Thursday evening event. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so proud of it, and I think it's so lovely. And I um, it turned out so much the way I wanted it to, and. Uh, and it's a movie that I really wish had existed for a long time. You know what I mean? So that, that, that certainly feels good, too. I thought about that. The thing about Harry is a gay romantic comedy. And, Peter, I was thinking about you and the fact that you were on Queer as Folk, which I think for so many young gay people was a, a milestone. And, and like the first time, like JB's talked about this when we had you on the show, it was the first time that a lot of young gay people ever saw gay people having sex, having relationships, falling in love. And I'm thinking that this movie can do that for the new generation of young queer people. Yeah, I think so. And in a much more earnest kind of way. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it's, um, I'm I'm a rom-com junkie. I love a rom-com. And, you know, ever since the, you know, late 80s and early 90s, I would I would go to the movie theater on Friday night when a Sandra Bullock movie or a Julia Roberts movie opened and, and sit there and sort of translate, right? I would just sort of I imagine I was the girl right. because, because I had to, right? Because otherwise, you know, Richard Gere wasn't going to come get me. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so I'm just so happy that there's a movie out there that queer boys don't have to translate. It's it's so true. And, you know, when I was growing up, I think you and I are close to the same age. We would search a movie or a TV show for the one character, like the one little minor character in the background who might be gay. And we'd sort of create a whole story in our heads about them. Absolutely. I mean, please, Uncle Arthur on Bewitched, you know. <laughs> oh, I mean, Uncle like, Arthur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it was true. Samantha. Oh, Samantha. Yeah. Um, how did yeah, you come absolutely. up with the? So in the movie, this this there's a uh, two uh, young men who had gone to high school together. They're now in college, and one of them used to bully the other. Um, but it turns out that the bully that there's more to him than we thought. H- how did you first come up with this idea? So the the original idea to do sort of a gay rom com. Um, a, a when Harry met Sal, if you will, um, uh, it was uh, Greg Gugliotta and F.J. Denny, the executive producers. They they had the idea. They sold it with another writer, Josh Center, and and they did uh, a few drafts um, of a of what turned out to be sort of a, um, a Hallmark like movie, and it did have that sort of essential premise. And two guys who went to high school together didn't like each other and uh, are forced to take a road trip home and suddenly discover that not everything is what they'd always understood. Um, and then, and that's where I came into the project. Um, uh, I, they, they asked me to do a rewrite on it. I said, you know, I don't know anything about, it was sort of set in small town America. And I was like, I don't really know anything about small towns. And it's certainly not where my coming of age happened and where all my heartbreak and, and stuff happened. But if you want a young urban rom-com about two gay guys that I know how to do. And so, um, I, so, you know, I took it from there and, um, I just, you know, remembered all of the heartache and heartbreak of my twenties of, 
you know, falling so hard for people and, and having, you know, uh, roadblocks thrown up and um, the awful, awful, awfulness of having two of your friends get together. I mean, all of those, all of those, you know, trials and tribulations that, that, um, that, you know, made me um, an ecstasy addict. Um, <laughs> as in the actual drug or the yeah, stage? well, yes, as in the as in the actual drug. But um, and I wasn't really an addict. I just, I just, you know, I, all I mean is I was just always like trying to, you know, chase those those good feelings in my twenties, and I wanted to write a movie about it. Yeah, I was thinking about the idea of of bullies, especially in high school, uh, actually wanting to fuck their victims, but they can't, so they have to like bully them. I I, I feel like. I was bullied a lot in high school, and I always felt this weird sexual tension. Um, and when I go back to my high school reunions now, the guys who bullied me are the ones who most want to, like, hang out with me and hug me and tell me how much – how awesome I am. And I'm like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Like, what <laughs> – who are you and what is it – what is on your agenda? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know, they – you know, there's those – you know, survey after survey and, you know – um, example after example where anybody homophobic is turns out to be a little bit gay. <laughs> so yeah, or very or gay. Very gay. I, what I or like very gay exactly. What I like about the Harry character is that you made him pansexual. Um, I hope I'm not giving too much away, but uh, no, I think that's allowed. First of all, I don't recall seeing a pansexual character on on any medium. I mean, I think this is definitely a first for yeah. for a cable movie and. Also, he's so chill about it. You know, he doesn't really have any hangups about it. He's just kind of like, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this generation, the generation behind us, they uh, there was a survey recently and over 50%, over 50% of high school students identified as something other than straight. That's hot. It's huh. super hot. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And obviously that's a big, you know, aggregation of all these different kind of identities. But the simple truth is um, that this generation, you know, thinks about deals with sexuality in a way completely differently than ours did. Yeah, and, that's true. And, and I want to, you know, two, two gay guys was like, okay, all right, how quaint. But like, I was like, no, the reality is the odds that both these guys would identify as gay are probably pretty slim. And I, and I thought it was, so I thought it made it more modern and more fresh and more real for that generation, but also opened up some interesting opportunities in terms of the storytelling. Right. It sets up, uh, it sets up all kinds of possible romantic complications. Um, yeah. now freeform, but don't say more about that. I will but... not now freeform <laughs> freeform used to be ABC family, uh, mm -hmm. and it's owned by Disney. Were they mm -hmm. supportive of your making a gay romantic comedy? From the get go, you know my my whole career career as a creator has been at that network. You know, ABC Family bought the Fosters yep. and put it on the air without any hesitation. To you know, that was about a lesbian couple raising five kids, one of whom was gay. Um, you know, we put the youngest same sex kiss in the history of television on on the air when when Jude kissed Connor, his best friend. They were twelve. Mm. Um, wow. uh, you know, they they have been absolute champions of of queer voices and queer characters um as long as i've worked there and it's been seven years there's never been and i really mean this the slightest hesitation um and this, this was and this is a sexy movie i mean it's it's pg-13 but there's a lot of um uh man flesh that we mm -hmm. get to see and there's definitely there's some, sexual situations very nice 
man flesh. And there's yeah, there's a there's a quite a quite a beautiful and sort of semi graphic love scene too. Mm-hmm, I mean, yeah. it, it's and I I was I was ready for all kinds of um, standards and practices notes, and I didn't get any, none. Well, and speaking crazy. speaking of man flesh, where did you find that hot piece of ass who played Harry? <laughs> <laughs> That is uh, that is Nico Taro, and this is his first job on camera wow. ever. Amazing! He's a physical um, trainer, right? He he was a professional soccer player, and he's a physical trainer. Yeah, personal trainer in New York. So hot. Huh. Um, and he started he started studying a few years ago, and uh, he grew up, I think, doing some theater and stuff like that. His mom was uh, ran a theater, if I remember correctly, in Barbados, and. Um, and, uh, so he, you know, he had a, had a, had a head start, but he studied for a couple of years, did the ABC diversity showcase, got signed by an agency. This was his first audition ever. <laughs> I hate yeah, it. It's crazy. Of course. And we put him on a plane and flew him to LA to do a chemistry read with Jake. And, um, uh, you know, he, I was worried, you know, how's he going to live up to the stress of the moment and all that kind of stuff. He was so chill and, and he's, he, you know, he's got that Island guy, about him, and uh, and I just think he did an incredible job. Yeah, he gives a very natural performance, and um, I very much enjoyed his armpits. There's this uh, extended scene yes. where he's got his hands behind his head for about 20 minutes. And... <laughs> you know what's so funny? Every time I watch that scene, I see it, I think, oh, those armpit fetish guys are going to be all about this. It's, they're pretty sexy. Now, you mentioned Jake Borelli, uh, who's yes. the co-star of, the, uh, of uh, Nico, and Jake Borelli, for those of you who watch Grey's Anatomy, will know him as Dr. Levi Schmidt. The character's openly gay, and Jake himself came out as gay in 2018. When you're casting a film like this, Peter, is it important to you that you cast queer people in queer roles? Uh, you know, look, you can't uh, – I try to. I always try to. It's super important to me. But, you know, you can't ask people about their sexuality in a job interview, So, um, which is what an audition is. <laughs> um, so and, and there are, you know, there are still a, um, a surprisingly small number of openly gay actors who, um, you know, who have some resume and some clout. I mean, you know, with the, the things that were important to me with my three leads were at least one of them had to be LGBTQ. Um, at least one of them couldn't be white. Had to be something other than white. Yes, and at least one of them had to have some name recognition, you know, to to get the green light from the network. So it was a uh, it was quite a puzzle, but we managed to succeed. Uh, my three leads are really all really extraordinary. Um, would, Britt Barron from Glow it plays it plays Jake's best friend, and she's fantastic. And you're in the movie too. I am in the movie, just a little bit, but yeah, I am in the movie. It's nice to see you on screen again. Oh, thanks. That's sweet of you to say. Was it a fun show? I wrote, I wrote, I wrote that. What'd you say? Uh, go ahead. T- finish what you were saying. Well, I was just gonna say, I wrote, I wrote that big speech that he gives to uh, Sam and that character is to Sam. And I was like, well, oh, that's, that's right. That's right in my power alley right there. Oof. The supportive, supportive, but loving, uh, you know, tough love that that's, that's my jam as an actor. And I thought, well, maybe. And then after, after we did, we auditioned people. And after a while, the network was like, well, you just, are you just going to play this? <laughs> And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Who who better? Yeah. Uh, was it a fun shoot? It was a really fun shoot. It was a fast shoot and a ferocious shoot. I wrote that movie last July, which is in the in the scope of making a movie, no time at all. Yeah, and it's already um, out. That's crazy. Yeah, we we got greenlit in September. We sh- prepped in October, shot in November, 
cut it in December, and here we are. Oh, wow. You know, it, it comes out on February 15th. So um, it, it's been uh, a whirlwind. Um, and there were a couple, you know, a couple challenging days. But overall, it was very, very fun. The cast was tremendous. I had a great crew, um, incredible director of photography who did a beautiful job. Um, I, I got very lucky. Well, I want to tell our listeners that the thing about Harry premieres tonight, February 15th on Freeform. Uh, Peter, I have to ask you about a, and I always have to ask you and Scott Lowell and everyone else about this. When are we going to have a Queerest Folk reunion? I, well, in, it, you know, look, we have reunions all the time. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but on camera. Uh, uh, an on-camera one. I think that um, my understanding is that Peacock is doing a Queer as Folk reboot um, that doesn't sort of have anything to do with the original character. Ugh, I hate when they do um, that. I know. Me too. I'm a little little bummed. I was sort of, uh, you know, hoping for an opportunity to get to revisit Emmett. But, um, but and who knows what will happen with that, but that's where things stand right now. Maybe you could play the Sharon Glass role in the reboot. How dare you? you How very dare you. <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> and, <laughs> come on, I could totally picture you in the blonde curly wig. You'd be quiet. The waitress uniform. Yes, that's red right. She was Adam. a redhead. I'm sorry. My memory is uh, oh. faltering. I'm 107 years old. Peter, <laughs> uh, I also, I need you to uh, pressure Hal Sparks into doing this podcast. Hal and I, first of all, he knows me. I opened for him at Caroline's for a week. Back in 2006, I know he must remember that. And second of all, we follow each other on Twitter. He gave me his email address. I've emailed him like 10 times. He never responds. Tell him to do this show. I, I never see how, but when I do, the first thing out of my mouth will be, you need to do ass. Thank you. And I've been saying that to him his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> and the same goes for Randy Harrison and Gail Harold. I want all five cast members on this podcast before I die. Thank you. All right. In the time remaining, it is time to play everyone's favorite quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. Peter Page. Yes. Did you ever fantasize about having sex with one of your high school bullies? Oh, yes. Oh, really? Would you yeah. like to say his name I, on the air? No, I would not. But, um, <laughs> but I, yeah, no, there were, I, I, there were some very, very hot guys and, and, some of them were very, they were a little bit like what you were describing in terms of like your bullies are really nice to you now. They were like really nice to me sometimes and then mean to me other times. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, for sure. I, for sure. I had, I, had, I fantasized about having sex with everyone pretty much. So yeah, me too. That, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, I hate myself for wanting to have sex with someone who's mean um, and particularly mean to me. But then there's that part of me that thinks like it could be kind of hot. Hate fucking. Yeah, exactly. I want to be hate fuck. A good old hate fuck. <laughs> Peter, who is your favorite Broadway diva of all time? Um, I uh, oh my god, that's that's a hard one. That's a very hard one. It's probably Audra McDonald. Excellent answer. I mean, she's got she's the Tonys just, to prove it. She, it's all talent. It's all class. It's all heart. It's. The, the things that voice can do, she can sing anything. It, it's just, I, she's really, she, she blows me away. Do you know, I haven't seen her enough on stage. I, I saw her in Ragtime, but uh, I, I really, like, I need to see everything Audrey McDonald's in because you're right. She's just, she's everything. Um, yep. Okay, I know that you guys have rabid fans all over the world. 
and that there's still like queer as folk conventions everywhere. What is the creepiest thing that a fan has ever said to you or sent you in the mail? Oh, hmm. Do you know what's interesting? Like, the creepiest things that happened to me happened before Queer as Folk, believe it or not. I was, I was a professional dancer working in Boston when I was in acting school. And I had a stalker, like a full, a, a full on stalker who would like show up at my apartment and gave me, he gave me like a, a, a three foot tall bottle of champagne. It, it was very, very, very strange and scary. That's terrifying um, when your terrifying. personal space is violated. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it was not, it was not hot. It was not, it was not all cute and, and you, by which I mean that Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, oh God, weird. I mean, fan, I had a guy take a picture of my dick once in, in a, as I was peeing at a urinal. And then send oh, it to was, you or post it online? Neither, neither. He just was for his own personal pleasure. I was, I was out with some friends dancing and I was pretty drunk and he was like, can I take a picture with you? And I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm really like loaded. Can we, can we not? (laughs) And, um, and he was like kind of disgruntled about it. So when I went to the bathroom, he followed me in and took pictures of me being. Wow. And did you just like, did you try to cover yourself or you're just like, here I am. No, I sort of, I sort of, you know, curled away. It was like, it was the beginning of camera phones. We didn't, we didn't really know what was, what was coming. Right. Well, that dovetails perfectly with my next question. If your penis were a tree, what kind of tree would it be? <laughs> I wish my ego was big enough that I could say bonsai and just leave it at that, but it's not. And that's not, it's not true. And it's not, and my ego is not that healthy. Um, what kind of tree would my penis be? Um... Gosh, I don't know. Um, I, I, my, my problem is a lack of knowledge of trees, not a lack of, <laughs> of knowledge. You're not, of a, my you're not a horticulturist? <laughs> I am not a horticulturist. I mean, I very, I'm literally looking at the saddest palm tree in my, in my loft right now that is just dead. <laughs> just all but it's on its last gasps of, of air. Oh, dear. Um, That's very sad. Yeah, I'm, I'm not helping climate change at all. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what kind of, I mean, I guess, I mean, a palm, maybe a, okay. a, a nice, a nice palm, I guess. I'm picturing one of those truffula trees from Dr. Seuss's The Lorax, you know, one of those <laughs> bright, fluffy trees. My, my penis doesn't have a pom-pom on the head, if that's no. what you're imagining. Well, yeah. All's the the poorer for it. I um, <laughs> mine is a weeping willow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it cries a lot. That is it's... just every way. Yes. Because they kind of hang down. Yeah. They just kind of like, you know what I mean? They Pretty just sort of, and they sort of sway <laughs> around and get <laughs> covered in moss. Oh God! Everything about me is wilted. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's weeping. Is that like? Is that from a wound? Or no, it's is that a general state of. Is that a general? You know, it's just lonely. <laughs> it's weeping because it's sad and lonely and hasn't been. Oh, uh, right. Hasn't been oh, watered in a long time. Uh, fair enough. Uh, okay, Peter. Have you ever used food in the act of lovemaking? Yes. Oh. What food would that be? <laughs> Uh, there is a very particular New Year's Eve with a, a very randy boyfriend I had that involved about a gallon of whipped cream. Oh, interesting. You know, I, I hear people doing that and it sounds like a good idea. But when I'm in a sexual situation, I never think like, wait, let me go get the whipped cream. <laughs> I'm too much of a yeah, cream it freak. Was, that was him. I got to say, that was him, not me. 
uh, he was all about it. He was like, I got some whipped cream. He was so excited, and he was, and it was worth it. I mean, yeah, I'll and say that. Were you worried about messing up the sheets? Mm-hmm. We were at a hotel. It was perfect. <laughs> oh, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well take a dump on those sheets. <laughs> oh, now, come on. 20 seconds. <laughs> now, I'm curious. So does the whipped cream, does it go everywhere? Does it just go on your penis or your hole? Where does it go? Uh, Adam, this, I mean, come on! You've revealed uh, it, so much it, already. We know we I, know exactly. what kind of tree your I penis so is. So much already. Be content with what you have. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you an F. Mary Kill. Okay. And these are all gay actors. Why? But why? Why did you? Why did you say F all of a sudden? You've been throwing the F bomb around the entire show. I know. It's. I'm very. Uh, pre- <laughs> I'm very pristine when it comes to this game. No, because the name uh, of the game is F. Mary Kill. But yes, I can say fuck. No, it's not. <laughs> it's fuck Mary Kill. Yes. Okay. Fuck Mary Kill. Okay. Wilson Cruz, Neil Patrick mm. Harris, mm. Andy Cohen. So you know, two of them are like real friends of mine. You realize that, right? So this is a very awkward game. Okay. Um, I have uh, I have fucked, married, and killed several of my friends. So. <laughs> oh, terrific. <laughs> um, uh, let me just one second. I just need to tap this call for the FBI. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, there's I'm only one right answer to this, he's, by he's, the way, he's, he's, what I said, there's only one right answer. So go ahead. I, uh, I, because I know two of them, right. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, fuck Neil. Cause I bet you he's really dirty in bed. Mm. I'm going to marry Wilson. Cause he's the one I'm closest to. And I think we actually could probably make a life together. And I'm going to kill Andy only because he's the one I'm least close to. Okay. You're correct about killing Andy, but you should fuck Wilson and marry Neil. I, I understand why you would think that, but I know them <laughs> well enough to know that I made the right choice. <laughs> now, but you are, you are, uh, you're already taken. Yes. I'm not. I am single. Are you single? Oh, yeah. Maybe I can uh, hook up with another guest, Steve. You have all these options. Do I have, do I have to give a play-by-play live on air? Peter, my last in-studio <laughs> guest I made out with, so uh, I he might be. Sure oh, 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 my. Was it like, was it some sort of, you know, porn star or Drag boy? queen, Honey Davenport. Oh. When she was wow. out of drag and looking quite hot. Uh, right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for all my single guests, <laughs> and uh, my ass is here for you. Peter, what is your least favorite word? Um, what is my least favorite word? My least favorite word is, is probably notes. Notes, because you hate getting them or giving them? Because I don't like notes, because I don't like notes, yeah. Mm, that what an actory answer. Mm-hmm. I know. I thought I'd be more specific than saying moist, like everyone says. Yeah, I would have gone with mucus. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Sputum, that's a good Sputum. one. Sputum. What's been the most exciting day or night of your life so far? You know, I'm a lucky boy. I've had I've had a lot of them. Um, uh, God, I don't know. Probably, I mean, probably the day I booked Queer as Folk. That is exciting. That was a really exciting day. That where kind of everything changed. I think you told us that story the first time you were on the show as well. Oh well, I, I see. I don't have a lot to offer. So no, you have tremendous amounts to offer. Peter no, Page, thank you so much as always for being on the show. The thing about Harry premieres tonight, February fifteenth, on Freeform. Peter and I will be getting married in June. Uh, you're all invited to the wedding. How can people follow you on the interwebs, Peter? 
I am I am only really on the Twitter, and uh, my my uh, handle is at the Peter Page P A I G E. I love you. Thank you so much, Stephen JB. Plug yourselves real quick. S Chazaro on uh, Instagram and S Chazaro Medina on Facebook. Stocking Anarchy 12 on Instagram. My thanks to you both. My thanks to Peter Page. The Ass will be back next week with a brand new live episode. Ryan will be back co-hosting. And our very special guest will be the amazingly talented Drew Drogi. Don't forget to download Adam Sank's last comedy album and follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Email me at adam at adamsank.com. Send those dick pics. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye. Bye.